0: All right. Welcome back to Agency Journey. This is Gray McKenzie from Zen Pilot. I am your host for the day, but the person you actually want to listen to is my guest. I've got Andrew Stern on with me, who is a partner and COO at Pilot House, uh, which is an awesome agency. and You'll be able to tell where they're located or where they're headquartered here in just a second once I I welcome Andrew aboard. They're friends from up north. Andrew, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Gray. Yeah, really happy to be uh, having a chat with you and, yeah. and sharing wh- whatever I can. <laughs> um, so we've
0: we've been doing a little series here on the podcast, um, trying to talk to the top agencies who are running on EOS and have gone through that implementation process or in that implementation process. And it's been funny as we've been having those conversations, some people are super pure play EOS. Like we do everything down to, you know, if it was in the book, it's happening here. People are taken it and modified it more. Um, so we'll dig into all that, but as we're starting out, can you, I'd like to have you share two different stories. The first one is just like, how did you wind up at Pilot House and and what does your role look like today? The second one is who is, what is Pilot House? Who do you serve? Yeah, great.
1: Um, so, you no, know, I've personally been uh, in, in marketing for over around 15 years. Uh, I started out as a media buyer uh, way back in the day. That's quite unique to Victoria, where, where I'm located and where Palados is located. We, we have, you know, a number of companies here that uh, were kind of big in the affiliate marketing space and served as, uh, I guess, like a, a university for marketing for a lot of folks around here. Um, but uh, with that, you know, essentially that's kind of arbitraging traffic with offers that are pay per conversion um you know a a great learning ground uh to get your hands on performance marketing in in the truest spirit of things and so that's that's where i started but from there i went into uh, running media buying teams um consulting uh even working within brands themselves um and then uh on the training and education side of things when it comes to marketing. And all of that has kind of led me to, to where I am today, uh, in the agency world, uh, which is kind of one of the last places I thought I'd, (laughs) I'd end up. Uh, but it, it really is a great place to take all those learnings and, and experiences and, and kind of, uh, build something truly, truly great. So, um, yeah, yeah.
0: That's awesome. I think you know so many of the people who are now kind of the marketing icons and most well-known uh, faces out there had their roots in affiliate marketing. And you know, before there was uh, Tim Ferriss, known for you know, he was you know running affiliate sites or selling um, you know supplements over the internet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there's a there's a real commonality there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm and Pilot House is in the DGC space too. So walk us through what you all do and what the team looks like at Pilot House.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, Pilot House started in 2019, uh, but there's been a group of us kind of working together longer than that. Uh, Pilot House has uh, four partners uh, who, for the most part, all come from a very similar background uh, on the affiliate side. And the way Pilot House was really uh born was you know an answer to maybe what's wrong with a lot of traditional agencies uh so we at the time you know quite a unique model and approach uh we wanted to focus solely on performance and solely on growth and the way we did that was through true true alignment so you know get rid of uh, a percent of of you know, ad spend or rev and like really focus on, uh, you know, return on ad spend or profitability and, and all those metrics that true, you know, business owners and uh, brands at the end of the day, uh, that, that's what their goals are as well. So, uh, yeah, unique business model all the time. I think a lot of people are doing that now in the agency space, you just have to. Uh, but with that uh, approach, you know, I'd say it allowed us to kind of, maybe punch a little higher in terms of the weight class uh when we were going through those pitches and, and our you know original portfolio clients. Um and you know I shouldn't say clients we really consider people partners because we are partnering with them uh in exactly you know what they're looking for and the model is about alignment and a lot of alignment through incentives through you know, from the client partner to the agency and, and even just as importantly, or, or even more importantly, like the, the team. So we kind of have that win, 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 uh, structure, uh, that, that kind of gives us an edge.
0: So that's fascinating. I think we should talk about that, but, um, even for that, what's the team size today?
1: So today we're at about 170 people. Right. Um, yeah. Which, you know, to put that in perspective and I guess 2020, everyone, you know, looks to the start of COVID as a, as a good uh, kind of marker in time. And uh, we were 15 people, I think at that time locally in Victoria and uh, from, from there, you know, now we're uh, we have people all around the globe and at 170, it's pretty, pretty wild to think about
0: that. Yeah. That's uh, it's such quick growth. And I, yeah, I think there's a pattern with some agencies who grow that quickly, but I want to talk about what else is in that you mentioned, had your four partners who were all, you know, we had some relationship before and we've had, um, Dean Dutrell from, uh, Worthy Commerce, who was acquired by Smartbug Media. Um, somewhat similar story. You know, I met Ryan, two partners who'd been working together kind of loosely and then built an agency and scaled to 50 people in three years or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it, like structured with, um. Nick Shackelford and Chase Diamond and some of the guys there. there. Chase has been on the podcast and there's some similarity there. So that's, that's one thing that is a commonality. I think it's worth pointing out for people that, um, sometimes we we put so much pressure on ourselves as entrepreneurs when we're running comparisons, like, oh my goodness, these guys went, (laughs) uh, 54 people to 170 people in three years or four years or whatever it is. Um, and there are some. There's a commonality there when you bring people together who have some influence, have some meaningful experience under their belt. And if you're looking for a partner, that's something that, that we should probably be looking for. But mm-hmm. obviously, it's not just four people who had a network who all of a sudden magically went to 170 people <laughs> on, and, and gotten right. And I'm surely a lot of things that you've tried and didn't work mm-hmm. and then adjusted um, in that time. But why it, is it the model and the network that you guys had? What's led to that kind of growth?
1: yeah it's a it's a great question i mean it's certainly a number of things uh our ceo dave Steele, you know really at the start uh was integral in this vision uh he essentially wanted something wanted a place for growth-minded people to to build something Uh, and i'm not talking about you know just the four partners from the very start our our kind of culture evolved where we we looked to bring on entrepreneurs we looked to bring on uh growth-minded folks that just you know have this spirit of winning and um sharing in those wins and and i think that's just carried on throughout the history of pilot house uh that like the the belief is that we can't lose (laughs) and everyone believes that so we just keep growing, and in in that in that sense, you know, like it. So, there's there's no other
0: direction than growth. Yeah. Um, talking to teams like uh, Jump 450 or Hawk Media about how they're running incentive structures for their teams. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's something that you guys have also implemented, where there's a percent of revenue. So, clients are paying. It sounds like, if I'm hearing you right, clients yeah. are paying you know a percentage of performance there may be a retainer fee you know i'm sure there's a mixed model there there's probably a mixed model there around compensation but -hmm. then also teams who are supporting those clients are earning a percentage of that revenue coming through as well um uh feel free to clear up anything in terms of like hey how does it what are the general
1: yeah i can i can explain it just like quickly uh you know quite simply we our model Started out with you know a retainer that covered salaries of the teams, the team that you had, uh, pretty much uh, in totality, and then we wow. uh, would build a performance incentive. Uh, originally, like I mentioned, based on uh, uh, ROAS, uh, return on ad spend, um, and uh, that was when Facebook, uh, and I'm speaking about Facebook or Meta. First, because that's where where our roots started. We do a lot more than that um, these days, but uh, when their reporting was you know uh, as good as it was, that was you know quite an easy thing for us all to align on. Um, and we would take that percentage of ROAs, and then uh, it would a portion of it would go to the team directly. Um, and in that way, the partners, the client partners, uh, would kind of only. Uh, you know, if they were doing well, we would share in that win. If they weren't, uh, it was just, you know, covering team cost, and that was kind of the other way we were positioned uh, as an internal marketing team to your to your brand. Uh, and I can speak more to that um, uh, as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I think that is um... actually maybe let's let's stay on that for a second because then I'm my- sure. going into a couple other questions. So so <laughs> what's that looks like? Um, yeah. So. Essentially, uh, one
1: of our tools is, is Slack uh, that we've kind of used right from the start. Uh, but we we have our clients in Slack, which is not unique. But the way that we interact with our clients, you know, might be unique in the sense that uh, we're communicating to them in like a real time basis. It's not, you know, solely based on weekly updates and and uh, you know meetings and, and things like that. It is more of a collaborative partnership where uh, we're we're there 24 hours a day. You know, we 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 are uh, being completely transparent with our uh, you know with our challenges, with opportunities that we see, um, and the wins that we're 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 seeing. And they just see it right behind the scenes, kind of thing. Um, very little communication happens behind the closed curtains, which I think is you know, again, my mother, one of our uh, advantages.
0: Yeah. Um. By the way, since you brought up tools, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Slack, and shared Slack, uh, I was just talking with somebody the other day about they're super afraid of bringing clients into Slack and what can happen. I was like, no, you <laughs> should rules. The benefits are it's all shared. Mm-hmm. And in our case, that's how we're managing customer support and pretty much every agency. It's like 92% of our clients. Totally. like they're already on it. They're on paid Slack instances. We use Slack Connect. Everyone can keep a copy of the conversation when we're done working mm-hmm. together. It integrates well with ClickUp. It all works together. Uh, one tool recommendation is is a relatively new tool. It's called Dispatch. I think the domain is dispatch.do. Do you use Superhuman? Have you ever looked at Superhuman for email? Uh, I've heard of it, yeah, but not uh, no, not particularly. It's just like how can we turbocharge email productivity mm-hmm. just set of tooling built on top of um, your email client to, to run faster. Like the superhuman for Slack, like a whole bunch of Oh, cool. It makes it really easy to kind of turn Slack. Hey, I've got all these client questions to answer. Mm-hmm. I'm able to use that, like turn into uh, multiplayer mode where we can kind of assign stuff. It's almost like a ticketing thing built on top of Slack. Mm-hmm. You know, plus, you know, convenient ways to set snoozes or reminders or whatever else you want to do. But uh, that's yeah. it's Simple. And you've got Slack and you've got click up on the PM side but if we steer away from the click-up, so um, the comp model, and one thing that you said earlier was like, hey, we've got this well, since the beginning. We've hired really entrepreneurial people. Um, going from 4 to 15 with entrepreneurial people sounds not that crazy to me. Going mm-hmm. into 170 people with hiring highly entrepreneurial people um, is a real big challenge in terms of building the sourcing pipelines and how do you finally mm-hmm. identify and screen the right candidates and then onboard people and filter out the folks where we got it wrong. Um, what is what have you put in place? Like what's made that possible to keep the entrepreneurial spirit as you've gone through so much growth?
1: Yeah, great, great question. So, you know, I would say the funny part is probably up to, you know, fifty people. It it uh uh had the execs or the the partners were heavily involved with every single hire. Um and maybe even beyond, that, but essentially, um, you know, maybe this is where I can tie a little bit of e- EOS in, into uh, the conversation. Um, and that wasn't, uh, you know, we didn't start with that framework or, um, or that system, but uh, around that same level, uh, we, we did bring it in. Uh, core values uh, were established quite early on um, to, you know, circle around this idea of hiring entrepreneurs. And uh, with that, we have used it in the recruitment process as a as you know kind of a, a gauging tool uh, to make sure that we're hiring for the right culture. Uh, our recruitment process uh, is, you know, roughly a culture screen being the very first touch point um, uh, after you know filtering out uh, other folks, that culture screen was, yeah, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, probably up to a hundred people. That culture screen, funnily enough, was done by our CEO. Um, you know, he, he just, it was so important and it is so important to uh, our agency, the, the the people that are uh, running it, helping us kind of uh, build up what we're building. And so uh, right away, that, that would happen, the culture screen, then we would have a team screen uh where it wasn't structured per se but essentially the individuals uh right you know seniority from from people who are new hires to uh management they just want to get a feel of of how you fit in in the culture what your mindset's like what questions you're asking what curiosities uh are kind of directing that conversation and then you know some sort of project and then ultimately, it used to be an end with an exec screen. And, uh, you know, those are always a lot of fun, Uh, you know, partly just grilling people, but uh, other part was just, um, you know, again, confirming that culture piece, which is so important. And these days, we've kind of replicated something like that with our leadership team, uh, and, uh, you know, a little more defined process and uh, actual HR department and things like that, uh, but yeah, it, somehow it's been maintained. That being said, the other thing that has happened a lot is um, referrals uh, internally. Uh, you know, we we rely so heavily on people just living and talking uh, this this culture and just believing it in, in it so much so that they want to bring people into it they want but they 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 want to bring the best people because they they know how much that matters so it's certainly um you know a huge part of our hiring
0: that's awesome um you mentioned plugging in the entrepreneurial operating system or eos where did that that happen in the journey
1: yeah i'd say again around that 40 50 mark uh people mark um you know we at that point were still running like a startup uh we were also th- this uh in terms of timeline was maybe a month or so into COVID, uh and so we were working remotely and we just weren't really used to that uh and i think we were doing a great job uh but at that point no one really knew what the timelines were um uh, but what we did was lean into, um, you know, such a, a kind of anomaly, uh, taking that bet that, uh, you know, DTC brands would, would be, uh, in a growth period, um, with it. And I think a lot of uh, agencies maybe stalled out a little bit or pulled back. Whereas we kind of did the opposite. We just, um, uh, hired more, um, and, uh, you know, built our network our, our pipeline um and invested in that um so sorry just go a little sidetrack there um but eos was introduced to to me through kind of a network of, of people in similar businesses as um something to look into uh, at the time i really had no clue what i was getting myself into um uh and um it was something that the execs tried uh, first. Uh, We weren't looking for this formal onboarding, uh, this adoption that I think in hindsight, you know, obviously uh, can can be beneficial for a lot of uh, organizations. We just um, said, hey, you know, there's certain weaknesses that we're we're finding with our communication, our organizational goal setting. Uh, This could be a solution and let's just try it uh, at the tops first and so we went through about a quarter or two of that uh and just it revolutionized our discussion our strategy building um our meetings uh you know um and we just saw the value pretty much immediately and decided to start kind of pulling it into teams uh one by one um and that's that's kind of where it started
0: wow that's awesome. Did you is has it all been self implemented, or did you wind up working with an implementer from the outside?
1: Completely self implemented, and you know that's why it, it certainly isn't uh, complete in the traditional sense. We've, we've kind of cherry picked some of the principles and uh, you know intertwined that with our kind of approach and, and culture.
0: What is there anything off the top of your head, Andrew, that is like, hey, we tried this or we looked at this and we threw it out right away or we tweaked it?
1: Yeah, yeah, good question. I think that, um, you know, there's a few, few of the principles like the vision track, uh, traction organ- organizer. We've, we've certainly gone through that process. And that that really helped us establish a few things like our core values. Um but we we really haven't followed through with that. It's it's not something that we kind of go through on a quarterly basis. Um we've replaced that with uh, you know, another really kind of informal way of, of setting goals, but uh yeah. The bad oh sorry, my,
0: you're reading my mind here, which is yeah. hey, if you're not doing that, are you using OKRs or using another, you know, another framework for it? Yeah, but it sounds like you have something homegrown that's that's working
1: yeah essentially um the 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 thing that we've kind of started leaning towards uh recently and it's it's not like new to the organization but it's kind of what we stumbled across hey we're actually doing this this is what it's called (laughs) uh and that's holacracy we've kind of brought in some of those frameworks um just very recently like officially but we we've really always had this mindset of uh you know not having a um structure of of you know like we, we hire entrepreneurs we hire self-starters and and uh people that just want to want to grow and uh we Basically, um, try try and empower them, and you know provide them with tools and some guidance and uh, frameworks for them to really achieve the objectives that they're uh, that that do line up to our goals type thing. Uh, and so we've uh, now gone through a bit of a process to get dynamic job descriptions across the board. Um, you know traditional roles and responsibilities and things like that haven't always felt the best for us and we didn't know why so so this is feeling a lot better uh and then we built out you know a full set of rules and engagement that that kind of um provide a code of conduct for us uh for our our leaders and just player team players to
0: go and achieve what we need to get done yeah that's amazing um Who is out there spreading the gospel of holacracy in Canada? This is like the third company based out of Canada who's told me about this in the last month. And first time, I was like, like maybe I can spell that word. I don't like I'm not that familiar with the principle. And I did some, yeah, that's cool. Uh, is there somebody like where do you remember where that idea came from? Yeah, I that's a tough question
1: because, um, yeah, it was, I think it was something we came across through a TED Talk um, okay. and that just spread like wildfire through, you know, our, our uh, management layer. And uh, we're just like, oh, uh, you know, this is what we're doing. <laughs> so we should actually, you know, invest some time and learn about the, the, the framework behind it, trying to take some of those principles and intertwine them with what we've already built. Right. Um, so, yeah, no uh, no particular person um, other than I wish I could remember you
0: them, went, he, don't yeah, like
1: I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't know, I believe it's the you know, was the uh, founder
0: of uh, yeah. that yeah, we'll oocracy.org or whatever. Cool, mm-hmm. uh, that's awesome. Well, so I want to make sure that we wrap up on time here, but um, uh, you mentioned how important referrals were from a growth perspective in terms of scaling a team. Mm-hmm. How about from a business development perspective? I'm sure there's a bunch of referrals, but what are the main, um, I would imagine people hear your story and they say, my agency, I'm fighting to grow 25% a year and Mm -hmm. you guys are blown up. What are they doing that I'm not doing from a sales perspective? What are the main pipelines for you? Yeah. Uh, so in the early days and still today, uh,
1: it's heavily been based on referrals, you know, our model centers around us doing great work and uh, achieving success for our partners. And so with that, you know, we have our MPS scores right right at the top and, and people love to kind of just spread the word about what we do for, for them. Um, so that is a huge piece of it. Uh, another piece is um, actually... Uh, DTC we have a newsletter uh, direct to consumer. co uh, that we started about two years ago um, really uh, with the s- sole purpose originally of kind of value creation which is that's one of our core uh, core values uh, but value creation for our network uh, we are impressed and surprised and and genuinely you know excited about the work that our teams are doing every single day uh and you know whether sometimes they know it or not they're they're leading edge uh, a lot of the times in, in what they're doing and um it's just uh i think victoria um and the affiliate uh networks and companies that you know i, I talked um i kind of referred to originally there's always been this culture of sharing and um lifting each other up that there isn't that kind of competitive secretive nature of things like the the it's always kind of um we all can win so why not just accelerate that and so that newsletter was started in in that vein um you know we want to bring in knowledge we want to share knowledge and uh let's give it a try in a newsletter format and so with that uh two years ago or, or more to today we're up to over 150,000 subscribers of uh anyone touching marketing or direct consumer uh you know commerce brands uh we have agencies and um you know just uh you know a great network that's been built out through that and with that, you know, the the inbound referrals also continue to grow and grow and grow. Um, we also do some outbound, uh, we attend shows and
0: things like that. Yeah. That's amazing. I think, so I, I wanted to bring out, I'm glad that you mentioned it, the podcast and the newsletter site. It's so mm-hmm. one of my favorite forms of marketing. So if you go to co, you'll see we're recording this and there's 270 different episodes of the DTC show. Um, The latest one as I'm looking on here is your neighbor in Victoria, Andrew Wilkinson, Um, just built tiny and um, a bunch of other things. Um, And so that's a a huge volume of work to go out there, but it's one of my favorite kinds of marketing where you're interviewing your best customers. You know, I'm just scrolling through the pages here and who are we pulling in? Like all, all these folks who are either, allies, so people could make referrals to you. You've got a handful of those. Really, all of these could do that, but some who are also, you know, they're serving your market just with a different offer, but most or a lot of these are also just D2C brands and folks who are running that. Mm -hmm. And So it's, you know, there's some value that I'm sure some percentage of these folks have come through and said like, oh, that's interesting. This is fun talking to these guys. Like, let's, you know, we need a new partner at some point in time. Let's, let's hire them directly. Probably the more impactful thing is um, you're highlighting them. They want to share that with their network. You know, you're just continuing to be uh, seeing so. The takeaway for folks listening is uh, the folks who you associate with in your marketing. That's the level. The level of those folks is the level that you're perceived at uh, as a brand, and so uh, you're kind of getting into that network and creating a lot of leverage. Um, by marketing with your, you're pulling in your customers to market with you, or you know the people who should be you, who you want to be your customers, to market with, which is a really, uh, really good move, and it's a commonality of a lot of the fastest growing um, brands out there too. Um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a win win situation, but like like I said at the start, it's for us, it's centered around that value creation. It's just. Uh, a, an immense learning experience, uh, you know, for the networks that subscribe uh, to direct to consumer, but also internally, we we just learned so many things from all these people that we're talking to.
0: Right. Oh yeah, the ability to take away. Oh, here's here's what I mean. This is and you guys have done it way faster. We're about the same number of episodes into our show, but we've been doing it since 2015. You've only been doing it for a couple of years, so you guys are pumping it out at a way higher volume. And so that rate of learning, getting here, cool new ideas. Oh, this is cool. Pilot House has this incentive model. I wonder if that would work well. You know, you just get exposed to so many helpful ideas. So Absolutely, uh, yeah. Uh, You're bringing the goods. Yeah. I'm going to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say,
1: Eric Dick, who uh, is um, the, the CEO at Direct to Consumer, has
0: just done a fantastic job uh, accelerating us through that uh, journey. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, shout out to Eric. Shout out to you, Andrew, for being able to come on and chair today. This has been super fun. If folks want to follow along, uh, we already mentioned the directtoconsumer.co site. The other place that obviously we should point people to is pilothouse.co, the website. Is there anyone anywhere else that we should um, ask folks to go connect with you or follow follow your story?
1: Those are definitely the two best places. Uh, you know, We're in the midst of, of uh, updating our website, Pilothouse, but... Uh... You could follow me on LinkedIn if you so choose, uh, but those are the, definitely the, the best places.
0: Awesome. We'll make sure that's in the show notes. This has been super fun. Andrew, thanks for coming out and joining us today on Agency Journey.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat.